On this special edition of Mets Musings, we're going to take a look back at the life and times of Tom Seaver with a couple of uh, his teammates and uh, author Eric Sherman. So check it out coming up right now. I'm joined uh, now by the uh, former New York Met pitcher and a teammate of Tom Seaver, John Matlack. John was the 1972 Rookie of the Year in the National League. And, uh, John, welcome back to Mets Musings. Thanks, Gary. Uh, as I said, I'm so sorry to be uh, talking to you under these circumstances. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. But uh, under these circumstances, uh, it's uh, not what I had hoped for. No, there's no question. It's a sad time. And... Uh, can you tell us about the first time that you uh, met uh, Tom Seaver? Uh, hard to say. I was a, a rookie, 19-year-old kid, first time in Major League Spring Training, and all the pitchers are in a, a group in spring training doing their drills and exercises, and uh, we just sort of bumped into each other and said hi, and that was basically <laughs> it as the pitchers were going through their, their morning workouts. Uh, now, you have an interesting uh, – uh, uh, I was reading about your Major League debut, and uh, you pitched seven strong innings, and um, maybe you want to tell us what happened after that. Well, I was sort of a happy camper, I guess you could say, because I had Tom Seaver as a caddy that day. I, they had I was behind 2-1 to one on a home run by uh, Tony Perez, mm-hmm. and they pinch hit for me. And I guess the top of the eighth, I think it was. In any event, we scored runs. Uh, I leave the game um, ahead three to two. They bring in Tom to relieve because it's uh, close to all-star break and he's not going to get another start. And I'm in the shower in the clubhouse thinking, I got my first big league W when Tony <laughs> Perez hits another home run and we end up losing. <laughs> So a blown save by Tom Steven, that's something you see too often. No, no. <laughs> and and can you tell us um, what kind of influence did he have over you, over your career and, uh, you know, over your pitching, that sort of thing? Tommy was a great, a great influence and a, and a good friend. Um, I'm really sorry that we drifted apart after – Playing days were over. We did speak from time to time, but not nearly as frequently as I would have liked. Um, and I guess we're both to blame for that. But Tom was, was giving up his time and knowledge. Um, they put me in a great spot when I made the big leagues in terms of where I was in the locker room. My locker was directly between Tom's on one side and Jerry Kuzman's on the other. Uh, and you couldn't ask for better company and, and people to talk shop with than those two. And he was, uh, I know Skip Lockwood had told me that uh, Tom helped him a lot. Uh, was there any specific thing that he helped you with during your career? There were there were many. Um, he didn't necessarily get involved with the, the mechanics of pitching. It was more on the, the mental side of things. Uh-huh. Um, he was probably a lot more of a deep thinker even than people might have considered him. Uh, I think that uh, one of the most profound things that he said to me that, that really hit home was that if you don't claim success that you have, whether you feel like it was earned or not, you're doomed to give it back. 
And the message was that, you know, even though you might have pitched six innings and it was suspect and you gave up four or five runs and you end up coming away with a win, claim that as a success rather than failure or luck or you're doomed to return it someday. (laughs) I found that to be very true over the span of my career. (laughs) Yes, certainly over uh, anybody's career. That's good advice. Um, what was it like sitting between those two guys? Though it had to be, they were. Uh, Tom liked a good prank. Uh, and no I, question. <laughs> and uh, Jerry liked a good prank too. Once in a while, could you, do you have any that you could relate to us? Uh, well, I don't know if either one of them responsible, but they were both involved, uh, <laughs> no doubt. Because uh, when I was first there in the big leagues, and, and uh, fan mail and messages would be placed on the stool in front of your locker. Uh, and when I arrived at the clubhouse one day, I noticed a pink slip. There was a phone message and a uh, phone number there. And please return a phone call to Mr. Fox. And uh, there was a phone that we could use on the clubhouse wall. And uh-huh. I walk, walked over to the phone and proceeded to dial this number that was on the message and looking for Mr. Fox and try and find out what this was all about. And, when the number answered on the other end, it was the Bronx Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> and half of the clubhouse was standing behind me giggling. So they just loved it. They were fun-loving guys. That was kind of a, a fun-loving team uh, in uh, those early 70s. Uh, and uh, you were traded in December of 77, but... Um, uh, Tom was traded on that dreadful night in uh, June of 77. What was it like uh, for the team at that time when when that whole thing happened with Kingman and, and everybody getting traded that night? It was disconcerting, um, puzzling. Um, to this day, I don't necessarily understand all that happened, and I've read a lot about it. I know there were extraneous circumstances at play in, in, in terms of how Tom was being treated, um, whether or not he actually asked for it, which certain articles said, I, I honestly don't know. But it, it was the beginning of the dismantling of what I thought could have been a, a very fine ball club for a long time. Uh, Tommy went in, in June of 78, like you said, I went, sorry, 77, and, and I was in December of 77, and then Koozie in June of 78. Uh, so within a span of a year, the, the nucleus of the pitching staff disappeared. Now, a couple of guys that I spoke to said that uh, two of the things that Tom liked to talk about uh, in later life was uh, wine, and one thing was Gil, and the other thing was Gil Hodges. Did he ever talk to you much about Gil Hodges? Uh, not in any real specifics, other than it, that he was a man that that Tommy revered greatly. Um, talked about the size of his hands, talked about his quiet strength, um, just somebody that he really looked up to. And any, do you have any other uh, special memories of Tom that, that, you know, when, when somebody says his name, it immediately comes to your mind? Well, there's, there's probably two things. One is a little nonsensical. Tommy was a, a thinker and a bridge player and, and always wanted to play bridge. Uh, when there was a rain delay or time to kill or on the plane or wherever we might find the time. Um, 
Kuzman and I became partners fairly early on. Maybe it was just the lefties hanging together. I don't know. <laughs> and we were we were nowhere near as quality uh, players as Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no matter who he got to partner with him, he had a tough time beating us because it seemed like we always got better cards and it used to drive him crazy. <laughs> so that's something that always gives me a laugh when I think about Tom. And, and the other thing was a, a story that uh, I was having trouble when Yogi became the manager. When he came to the mound, he often spoke in a what I'm going to say was a garbled kind of <laughs> voice, and I really couldn't understand most of the time what he was saying. And I, I finally asked Tom. I said, "Look, I can't understand Yogi when he comes to the mound. He's can you? What do you do?" And he said, "Look, it's easy. Don't worry about it." <laughs> so when Yogi comes to the mound, he's going to say a few things, and when he's done, if he doesn't put his hand out. You say, okay, he'll go back to the dugout. If he puts his hand out, you put the ball in it, and you go back to the dugout. Uh, Well, uh, that's the kind of stuff we like to hear, you know, and uh, it's such a shame, such a young man, um, and he really made it uh, okay to be a Met fan in New York, and we're all missing him so grateful. It's it's just I was amazed myself looking on social media that how many people said they never thought they'd be this affected by uh, a celebrity or a ball player, an athlete uh, passing away. But I think it was it's just so much that uh, it's another loss of our youth, and and that's what I think uh, gets to a lot of us. Well, it was a, a time when there were a lot of wholesome values at play, and, and Tom was in the in the middle of not only the Players Association, but what went on in the clubhouse, what went on on the field, um, was very involved in trying to uh, make the, the life for the players as good as it can be, make the team as good as it can be, uh, you know, along with excelling himself. It, it I think it's rare to see that anymore but there were i believe more of that type individuals around back in the 70s and into the 80s um maybe in all walks of life i don't know but that's just how change has occurred over the course of time right right well john malak i want to thank you for taking a a few minutes today and uh talk about your uh teammate and friend uh tom siever thank you so much it's been my pleasure. He is gone, and he will certainly be missed. Yes, certainly will. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate it. All right, Gary. Take care. Bye-bye. Joining me now as we celebrate the life of Tom Seavers, one of his teammates, uh, Skip Lockwood, pitcher for the New York Mets from 1975 to 1979. And, Skip, welcome back to Mets Musings. Oh, Gary, thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. You and I talked uh, last year, uh, actually in 18, about a new book that I had coming out, and I thank you for the the plug that you gave me online, and it was great talking to you back then, so it's um, I'm pleased to call you again. Um, I lost one of my buddies last week, it's mm-hmm. Tom Seaver. He was um, really a good friend uh, and a mentor uh, for me. When, when I got to the Mets, he was... You know, one of the first guys that came over and 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 shared with me some of the things that that, that he did, and 
you set a great example. You know, Tom was a guy that was always ready to pitch. You know, he, he did the calisthenics and did the running and he did the mental preparation. And, you know, he was an artist with a baseball uniform on and, and he really prepared himself when he was going to go out to pitch. And I saw him do that. He kept a book on the hitters and, he was he was a guy that went out there, you know, very well prepared. And what he expected, which which I had never come across before, he expected me, if I was going to pitch in one of his games, he expected me to be just as prepared. <clears throat> I I will tell you, I was pretty much a fastball pitcher, mm-hmm. and and I didn't know the guys in the National League very well. <clears throat> So it was a step up for me to to try to learn from him and 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 listen, watch what he did, and, and listen to how he, he conducted himself. It was it was like watching a painting being painted. You know, it was <laughs> it was just that kind of guy that was mesmerizing in, in, in terms of how he went about his business. Um, quick story about Tom is when when I was uh, I pitched one year with the Mets and then. And the next year, um, I was going to be their closer. I pitched the final game for Tom in 75 when he won the Cyan Award that mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I guess I did a pretty good job and, and he, he liked the way I was throwing the ball. I tried to throw hard and throw strikes. And so he said to me, he said, I, I went in and he said, I got you a three year contract. <laughs> you did what? He said, I, I got you a nice three year contract. He said, uh, you'll be able to settle down here. He says, I want you to move out to, to Connecticut with with uh, Nancy and I, you know, close to us. He mm-hmm. said, I'll give you a ride to the ballpark as much as I can. But he said, it's a good place to live. And he said, I got my real estate agent, you know, looking around for a place for you already. So this was like all new information for me. <laughs> and <clears throat> sure enough, I had a, a nice three-year contract waiting for me. I didn't have to negotiate very much. Um, he found me a house, you know, out in Connecticut, in the town where he lived, and he even got me to, to join a country club where he played golf. And so he was he was a guy that was really looking out for me. And so I used to ride to the ballpark with him, you know, not every day because sometimes he has things to do, but you know, at least once or twice a homestand. Uh huh. And uh, so I had, you know, an extra hour, an hour and a half with him in a car two or three times a week. And I tell you, you had to be on your A game. I mean, he was not just baseball. He was all about history and philosophy. And he'd ask you questions that, that you know, you, it was hard to answer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, like, what do you think about when you're in between innings? Well, I don't, I don't know what I think about in between innings, you know. And he was saying to me, he said, you know, last time you pitched, it looked like it, you were, you were nervous, you know, and you, you tried to stay, you know, game ready, you know, up mm-hmm. in between innings. And he said, this is, you'll exhaust yourself doing that. He said, I always use a red light, <clears throat> green light. He said, it was a red light when I came off the field because I wasn't going to have to pitch for five or ten minutes, and then when I went across the front line back out there again, it was green light. 
He said, I, I, I think you ought to try to do something like that so you can relax a little bit, you know, in between innings. <clears throat> and again, this is new information for me. I didn't have thought about stuff like that. But Tom was just that kind of guy. He had planned out, you know, everything about the game in such good detail, in great detail. And he expected you to, to have the kind of preparation. So I was running sprints I never ran before and distance running and doing calisthenics and stuff. And I never got in that good a shape of my life. <laughs> but it was was all because he expected me to, you know. It, mm-hmm. was, it was what he wanted from the, the guys that came out and pitched in his ballgames. Right. So it, it was good for me. <clears throat> and then, of course, on... June 15th, 77, my ride to the ballpark didn't show up. Yeah. And so I was waiting at the curb, waiting for him to come by. So he didn't come. And I called into the the ballpark to find out, you know, whether he forgot me or or what happened. And they said that they had traded him. And I said, oh, man. Um, All right. Well, I I called my, my backup ride, which was Dave Kingman. Also lived out there, and he didn't answer either. <laughs> I called the ballpark up again, and I said, "What happened to Kingman? How oh, we traded him too?" Oh my goodness! You traded both of them. <laughs> and those, those guys gave me my ride. <laughs> I had to just start riding to the ballpark myself. I had to buy a car and ride to the ballpark myself. <laughs> it was uh, it was a big loss for me when they traded him. And yeah. And certainly I was, I knew that Tom wasn't feeling well the last couple of years with, uh, Lyme disease and, and a little bit of dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I knew that he wasn't, uh, himself and I know he didn't go to Hall of Fame in a couple of years and he didn't do a couple of things that he really usually would want to do. So I know he wasn't feeling too good. I think the, his, uh, he's got a, a vineyard, if, if you know, out in, California, yes. California, Uh-huh. Yeah. His, uh, his vineyards are right in the path of a couple of fires. A couple of years ago, I was talking to him and he was out in the fields and I made the mistake of saying, are you out with your trees? <laughs> <clears throat> and, and they're not trees, they're fruit. So he gave me a, a lesson in fruit while he had me on the phone. It's a typical Tom. You know, these are fruits, man. These aren't trees. He's telling me all about fruit. And when I called him a couple of years ago, he was out there walking with, with one of the dogs. And he says, you know, I can see smoke and fire, you know, all up on the horizon around the rim of the, of the mountains around me. And I said, well, you know, number one, you, you need to get out of there and, and get someplace safe. And he was saying, no, no, he said, they'll put that out before it ever gets to me. But he, he actually had to leave, I guess, a couple yeah. of days later. Wow. He took the dogs and, and Nancy and him packed it up. I don't know where they went to, maybe gone to Nevada, someplace like that. But I was just wondering whether or not you know, the latest fire out there would have been, you know, something he would have worried about, you know, that yeah. week or so. I don't know. Well, it was it, it it was a shock to all of us here in New York. I guess uh, you know, uh, for us as fans, 
um, at my age, especially, I grew up, you know, I was, uh, what was I, 14 when he first came up in uh, 67. So to see him pitch the whole career and see everything afterwards. Uh, and now to lose one of your heroes, you know, uh, it, it really has hit a lot of people here in New York, and and uh, I know it's hit your teammates. Um, one thing uh, I was talking to John Matlack about uh, just the other day, he was on, and um, he mentioned that, that Tom, and you kind of touched on it too, and I believe it's in your book as well, he didn't uh, give you advice, he didn't get into the mechanics of the, the, of the pitching motion and all of that. But he was more uh, uh, about the mental part of the game. You you would concur with that, I guess, right? Yeah, I um, I never. Uh, I was kind of a one pitch pitcher. I had had a pitch and a half. You know, I had a half of a curveball and, and a, a little bit of a fastball. So I didn't have a great variety. Uh huh. And I tried to throw it at the middle of the plate and. Maybe if it had life to it, it would find a corner someplace. I didn't pitch much because I was pitching the eighth and ninth innings. I didn't wasn't trying to be real cute, you know, out there. Um, nobody expected me to be, you know, pitch that way anyway. <clears throat> but Manzlack, I think, and Tom <clears throat> would talk, and Kuzman was the same way. I think they would talk about, you know, setting pitches up and pitching the the second inning. You know, before you pitch the first and make sure you're going to get the guy out if you got him out one way. One time you're going to get him out maybe a different way the second time, then on base and all that. He was a, he was a, an artist. You know, I don't think he was, I don't think he was that much ahead of his time because if it, you know, there was a lot of guys that were, you know, pitching that way, trying to pitch that way when Tom was around. But I think he was a pioneer and he certainly was a guy that with the, with the minutes that we all looked to. You know, when we got in trouble or if we had some stuff, he'd come right over to you and, and say, you know, I, I see you doing this. Why are you doing that? You know, this is, you need to get on this track over here. This is what mm-hmm. you need to do. And we never talked much about grips and wind up and, and, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we did talk about the, the mental part of the game and a, a lot. And, uh, Skip, when you think about Tom Seaver now, and as you go on and you will, um, what, what makes you smile? What's going to make you smile about, uh, when you think of Tom? Well, I, I think the end of 75, it was, uh, Tom was getting tired. He was, he was uh, in a dead sprint trying to get the Cy Young Award, National League Cy Young. Yeah, he had pitched very well. I think he had got 20, 21 wins already. And this was, we we're going into, um, Cincinnati, I think. And I have been Philadelphia. And, and he was going to go one more time and he, he really wanted to win. And he came to me before the game and he said, you know, man, he's not sucking wind out there. He's, I've, I've, I've pitched a lot this year. And he said, I just want you to know that I'm going to go six and you're going to go four. Uh, I'm going to go five, and, and you're going to go four. I said, well, you, I am. We are. Um, all right. You know. I didn't, okay. 
And, and so he did. He went five, and, and he came out. They called down in the fifth inning and said, you're going in for him in the sixth. And, and through the form, I was in there. And I think I was sitting on a um, two-run lead or something like that. But, you know, it's stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, you get in a game, and there's a guy that, you know, can win. His, I think it was his fourth Sanya. You know, a guy that can win an award like that. Right. You know, I'm... I'm out there, you know, journeyman pitcher from the other league trying to win a job. It was, it was a privilege and it was a thrill. And I just remember him coming to me before the game and, and telling me, you know, you're, you're going to pitch today. So get your butt ready. Uh, that was, that was a big day for both of us. Well, Skip, I want to, uh, Thank you for taking some time out of your schedule and talking to us and uh, uh, helping us get to know Tom better as uh, fans. You know, uh, uh, you guys know him better, best at all, uh, best of all. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime, I'd be glad to talk to you. Thanks. Uh, joining me now is uh, the uh, author who's been on the show a number of times, and he is the co-author of a fantastic book called After the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets, and he co-authored the book with Art Chamskini. He is Eric Sherman. And Eric, thanks so much for uh, taking time out to come on and say a few words about Tom. Well, Gary, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, Eric, when uh, do you remember the first time you that you met Tom Seaver? Oh well, sure. Um, I mean, I I actually met him as a kid um, at an autograph signing. I guess it was back in nineteen eighty eighty one, eighty two in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when autograph signings were relatively a new thing, and. Um, I remember he was at a signing along with Steve Garvey at the, I think it was at the Hilton on Sixth Avenue in Manhattan, and um, and so I met him there, and uh, uh, you know he was nice enough, but 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 I, I truly you know met him um, at his home in Calistoga um, in the Napa Valley when um, I went out there with with my co-author of After the Miracle, Art Shamsky, along with Jerry Kuzman, Ron Swoboda, and Buddy Harrelson. Uh, you know, that was the first time where I was in his home, and and I really got to um, to know him over that, um, over that weekend that we spent in California. Well, uh, you mentioned the book. It, it, I've said this a million times. I'm not saying anything new. Uh, to me, it's a fantastic book. It's it's the New York Mets, uh, Boys of Summer. If anybody's ever read the Boys of Summer, it's it's as good, as, if not better, than that book uh, for Met fans, as that was oh, for Dodger fans. It, it was a terrific book, and um, I, I guess if people don't don't, don't know about the book. They would. Uh, th- the whole idea about the book was that it was basically a trip that you and four uh, was it four? Yeah, four yep. Met uh, teammates uh, took out to California to see Tom Seaver, and I'll let you explain why they decided to take that trip. 
Well, um, essentially, the book is it's it's really two books in one. So, um, the bookends were the planning of that trip to see Tom uh, with some of the guys from the '69 Mets, and then you know the end of the book it's it's the actual trip itself. Um, and then the middle part, the part of the book, um, we went back and took a look at 1969 with all the living players at that time that we wrote the book. Um, you know, we've since lost Ed Charles. Um, he was our first interview. Um, um, and then really looking at not just the key points of that season, but also what was going on in the world at that time. Um, it was a terrible time in the country's history with Vietnam and, um, and race riots and, uh, all kinds of problems. And so, um, but the trip itself, the reason that we did it when Art and I got together to talk about, um, the angle that we were going to use with this book, um, you know, there, there have been something like 35 books written about the 69 Nets. So, we wanted a unique angle and, um, but, you know, of course we wanted to interview Tom and, and, you know, Tom was suffering the effects of Lyme disease, which he contracted something like 20 years ago while he was living in Greenwich, Connecticut. And so he could no longer tra travel and he wouldn't be able to make it back, uh, for the 50th anniversary of the 69 Nets at city field, um, which took place last summer. And so we felt that instead of interviewing all, all over the phone, that we would actually bring the celebration of the 50th anniversary to him and bring some of the guys along. And, and that's what we did. And, um, and as it would turn out, that would be the last time that they would all get together. And, and I think that they knew that, and, you know, at the end of the visit, uh, to see Tom, you know, the guys just, you know, we all had lunch after touring Tom's vineyard, you know, we all just kind of mulled around the parking lot for about an hour. Um, nobody wanted to leave because I think those guys realized that, you know, that this was it, you know, that this was the last time they were ever going to uh, see each other in person. And uh, as it turns out, it, it, I, I guess it was. And uh, this this year, twenty twenty, hasn't been wacky enough. There, it, there are some uh, connections almost to sixty nine. If you think about it, it's fifty one years now. But uh, the unrest, the violence in the streets, and so whatnot. So uh, the pandemic. It's just such a turbulent time. And then to have this this happen, and it's. Uh, why you know it it was kind of a, it really shocked me to hear about it and i i i guess it's almost, i guess in the back of uh, older met fans mind it's it's always a thought that you know uh he's getting an age he had this illness and and but um it still was a shock and and uh, how did how did you feel when you heard the news i received a text um, from a friend of mine, um, and before I answered him back, you know, I did a quick uh, Google search on my phone, and you know, didn't see the news right away. I uh, my friend had heard it um, 
from Susan Waldman during a Yankee broadcast the other night, mm-hmm. and it must have just come over the wire. And um, I kept checking for the next ten or twenty seconds, and then I did find something that you know said that um, Tom had passed away, and um, I was shocked by the news, um, but I wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those things, there was a sense of finality yes. where you're like, my God, Tom Seaver is really gone. And, um, you know, for people of, the, of our generation, I mean, this is a big chunk of our youth that's now gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had known that Tom's condition um, had really worsened a great deal after that visit that we paid. And, and, you know, he was really in a bad way now for close to a couple of years. And and I don't think a lot of people realized how bad it was. And, you know, that there was no possible way that he was going to make it last summer. I mean, that was never in question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't surprised. But um, what did surprise me was that part of the reason he died so quickly or relatively quickly was due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, I just hope that he didn't suffer. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the release that he, he uh, went peace, peacefully in his sleep. H- have you been uh, able to talk to any of the, uh, any of his teammates at all? Well, you know, um, I, I talk to Art Shamsky pretty much every day, and, mm-hmm. you know, we become great friends. Um, uh, Jerry Kuzman and I have reached out um, with one another. I mean, he was um, the second person I reached out to after Art the other night. Um, and, um, you know, I've been getting calls nonstop, not just from people related to that, particular team and organization and time period. Uh, but also believe it or not, you know, some of the 86 Mets, um, like Doug Sisk, um, who actually saved, um, the game that Seaver pitched in his return to the Mets in 83, uh, Seaver pitched the first six innings against the Phillies and then Sisk who grew up a huge 69 Mets fan out of the Seattle area, mm-hmm. um, you know, he saved uh, the game of his hero from when he was a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he called me the other day and Bruce Bereni. And um, so it's, uh, it's really reverberated. And I really think this one was personal. Like this one really hit home. It, um, you know, for a lot of other people, it would, be like when we heard Elvis died or when Michael Jackson or Prince died. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tom Seaver was just such a, um, just uh, an iconic figure, not just in in New York, but um, throughout sports globally, really. Yeah, I think we, we all pictured him as that 25-year-old bulldog on the mound with the thick legs and the the strong arm and uh, the ex-marine and and uh, he just seemed indestructible and and it just seemed for for him to uh to uh, get sick like that uh it, it 
just it almost seemed you know it's it was something not right about the whole thing uh i i don't know how else to put it i'm 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 uh struggling here today but um uh, well i i mean i think i can help you out with that um you know i've been posting uh photos of my trip out with the guys to see mm-hmm. tom and on facebook um I have a Facebook account, I have an Eric Sherman baseball Facebook account, and I have Twitter, which is at by Eric Sherman. Uh, I'm not plugging myself, I'm just using it um, to exemplify that I've really studied those photos of the trip from three years ago. And if you look at those photos, I mean, you're looking at a guy, Tom Seaver, that looks phenomenal. I mean, he was 72. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he might've been carrying an extra 10 pounds from his playing days. That's about it. Um, I mean, you know, you compare that to most of these guys that retire and, you know, the pitchers, especially for some reason, you know, they, they put on all kinds of weight, but Seaver was in good shape and, you know, he worked in his vineyard every single day and, he probably walked 10, 10 miles a day as a result. And, um, I mean, he looked great. And, but, you know, when I was there, um, you know, he tended to repeat himself, which is common. Uh, it's a common side effect of Lyme disease. Um, so then not long after our trip there, he developed dementia. Um, and then, um, you know, that really robbed him of much of his uh, memory of people, um, it's, which is common. It's, it's, it, it, it is hard to believe because when you look at him, you know, even the picture that Ann Seaver, his daughter, posted um, yeah. yesterday, yeah. you know, it was the last photo, uh, I think, that she took of Tom out in his vineyard. I mean, he still really looked good. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, 75 years old, I mean, he really had all of his hair and, you know, he, he looked good. He had yeah. color in his face and, um, you know, so it's very hard to believe that someone as, as strong as Tom, you know, succumbed to this, but, um, but getting old is tough, you know? No, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Uh, I'm not that far behind them. I'm uh, about eight years, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, I know, and I think that's why it, it sometimes uh, something like this hits us uh, uh, as well because it calls into our own mortality, and uh, right. it, it gets a little frightening yeah. when you start to think about it. Uh, I, I'm looking at some of the pictures. They are terrific pictures. There's a couple of terrific ones. One of you in a restaurant, I guess it is, with Tom. And uh, you, I guess it's by his house with you and Jerry Kuzman and Tom. And uh, and there's a great picture of uh, Tom talking to Ron Swoboda. uh, And uh, he's explaining something with his hands. Was he talking about the wine or was he talking about a a situation or? He was absolutely talking about the wine process. Yeah. there were, there were two things that Tom loved to talk about. Uh, the first was his vineyard. I, the pride that he took in his vineyard, in his vineyard was off the charts. Um, 
And then the second thing he loved talking about was Gil Hodges. Um, he would just go on and on and on about Gil and, and you know, the influence that, that his manager had on his life. Um, you know, a father figure to him, uh, not just a manager, but a father figure and, um, and, um, uh, just like this shining example of what a man's supposed to be. Um, it was just remarkable. And of course, you know, um, the hall of fame conversation came up and he's like, yeah, you know, the, the guy was right in the middle of that Dodgers lineup and, you know, all those pennant winning years and, and 370 home runs and, um, you know, was the manager of the Miracle Mets. And, mm-hmm. and then he said, but the thing that really puts him over the top in his eyes was, you know, the fact that he befriended Jackie Robinson and right. really helped Jackie feel comfortable um, up in the major leagues. And so, you know, and of course that all goes towards what kind of man Gil, Gil was, mm-hmm. you know, especially during that period, you know, 1947. So, um, those were the two things that I think Tom liked to talk about the most, his vineyard and Gil. And you have a couple of great stories in the book. Uh, uh, one about uh, driving to visit Tom, and it's one of the more interesting stories in the book. With, uh, <laughs> yeah. A car you thought might not make it. I uh, wonder if you relate that. Oh, my goodness. You know, Gary, <laughs> they're, they're, uh, honestly, you know, so we went to see Tom in May of 2017 and I am not exact. I mean, I am not exaggerating. There, there could have been 50 things that could have derailed this meeting with Tom. I, you know, first, I mean, real, real quick, like a few, you know, you had Ron Sorbota's wife who was recovering from cancer. Um, and he was broadcasting games in new Orleans. So we had to work around his schedule and, and he needed to find someone to care for his wife during that weekend. Uh, Jerry Kuzman, you know, suffered a heart attack about 20 something years ago. Um, so he had to be careful and, and make sure that he was up for the trip. Uh, Buddy Harrelson was just starting, um, you know, just, just in the beginnings of his own, uh, Alzheimer's and his memory loss and, um, you know, and then there was Tom and, you know, his wife, Nancy told, told Art on the phone, you know, you guys could come all the way out here. And, and if he's having a bad day, he won't be able to see you. Um, so there was that. And then, you know, we're in the car and, you know, we're driving to Tom's that morning, you know, everything's a go. It's a green light to go and see him. And, and the, um, emergency light, goes on in the van that we rented. And I'm like, Oh my God, after all this. And there was just like a laundry list of other things that, that could have derailed the trip. And I'm thinking, you know, we had this absolutely top 10 weather day of the year. Tom's feeling good. You know, everyone in the car is feeling good and we're on our way. And, uh, and you know, the rental car, the light goes on, but then it went off. And, but I was sweating it out. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, we were about 25 miles from Tom's house. We were staying in Santa Rosa. Um, so it was like a 30 minute drive, but, 
I was really worried the car was going to break down. Uh, it was uh, very <laughs> stressful, but once we got there, I felt much better. Any um, moments that you had on that trip, like uh, alone moments with Tom, that, that you'd care to talk about at all? Yeah, you know, um, it was interesting. Um, and everybody knew why I was there. You know, I was there to help Art write a book about the about the reunion. You know, uh, you know, at Tom's, and uh, so uh, we. Tom was gracious enough to give us a tour of his vineyard. Had to have been three hours, um, and we're walking down the hill of the vineyard, and. For whatever reason, I found myself alone with Tom, and 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 Art was with us too. You know, the other three had walked ahead. I, I think, you know, maybe a couple of them needed to use the bathroom or something, something like that. That's what but happens. We to had seventy-year-old man. But we, <laughs> yeah, but we had Tom um, to ourselves for I would say a good thirty or forty minutes, and um, and we just stopped and we talked at. At, at the base of the vineyard. And, um, and that's when he, you know, talked to us about Gil and, and was telling us, um, about, you know, Gil's value of his marriage, uh, to Joan Hodges and, and, um, and, and, and how that influenced Tom with his own, uh, marriage to Nancy and, um, just going on and on. And, and we talked about all kinds of things, and um, it, it was just tremendous. I mean, the weekend, we couldn't have written the script any better than it was. Um, it, 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 it was just perfect. Well, uh, I, I want to thank you for your time, and I know this was uh, you know, last minute, and I know you're getting a lot of requests, and, and I appreciate you taking the time out and uh, – not only did, did Tom Seaver, he, he made it okay to be a Met fan almost, you know, he, he, uh, he brought something, uh, he, he led the charge to the 69 team when he came up in 67 and, uh, made it okay to be a Met fan and, uh, we're really going to miss him. We are, we are indeed. And, and, uh, you know, the, the pleasure is all mine get Gary for having me on today. Tom Siebel was the greatest Mets player of all time. Could be one of the greatest pitchers in baseball history. And he will surely be missed. He made it okay to be a Mets fan when he came along in 67 and took a struggling franchise and made it his own. And for that, we will always miss Tom and always remember him. So let's get that statue up there. And let's all visit Tom Seaver Way and have a smile and shed a tear over the life times of a great baseball player. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you'll tune in again on another edition of Mets Musings. Mm-hmm.